this morning in Luke chapter 2. Uh, let's begin reading in verse number 4. And the Bible says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I hope that this passage and maybe a few others, maybe in Matthew's gospel, uh, I hope that these portions of scripture don't just become uh, second nature to you. Uh, oftentimes, we, we, we we're like, I've read that before. I've been a Christian now for X amount of years. And, you know, there's, there's, I've, I've seen it. I've read it. I'm going to tell you, I've been, I was thinking this morning, I've been here five years, I've been a Christian 35, 35 Christmases. And I'll tell you, I love Christmas. I love Christmas more today than I loved it the day I got saved. I certainly look at Christmas different today than before I got saved. Christmas wasn't at all Christmas what it really is meant to be, what God has intended Christmas to be. Christmas is a time. It's a time that I think is loved by so many, but the longer we live, we also find this out, that although it's loved by so many, it's also probably hated by just as many. A lot of people can't stand Christmas. They detest everything that goes along with it. And it, regardless of what side of the issue you fall on, and hopefully you're on the right side of the issue, the Christmas season, I think, is a, a time that is filled with many mixed messages. A lot of mixed messages. A lot of things that, when you study it out, are, are really more rituals that are, if we could call them worldly things, even pagan things. Uh, there's a lot of things that play into uh, the holiday season, the Christmas season. And I, I think about Christmas, it's supposed to really be the one time in the year that, that we as, as human, uh, humanity, as mankind, we are to remember the birth of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If, if not throughout the year, I guess we ought to dwell on it during this time. Uh, I, we never really did it, but I've heard of people doing it. I like the concept. Maybe some of you did it that 
they, they actually bake a cake and have a birthday cake for Jesus on Christmas. Anybody do that? And uh, I think that's a neat concept because it is the birthday of a king. It's the birth of God's own dear son. I think it's a great lesson to teach children is, boy, if there's any birthday we ought to remember, we ought to remember Jesus's birthday. And that's what this time of year should represent. But every year, it just seems like the world muddies the waters of truth when it comes to Christmas. And they do that by allowing the scriptural meaning of the season to be mingled with other messages. And, and, you know, you can blame the devil, and I'm sure he has a hand in it, but I think man's just as guilty sometimes. Oftentimes we think about, I'll, I'll, I'll probably mention something in my message this morning that is not in the Bible when it comes to the Christmas story, but yet for so long we, we oftentimes think it's in the Bible. For instance, it, it, you know, things can happen like this, but you know, it, it, this isn't a part of my message, but just to illustrate, when you think about the creation, God created the world and then he created the man and he, and he brought the woman unto the man. And we all know what happened in Genesis chapter 3 in our Bible, where God says you can have everything that's in the garden except what's on the tree. And the Bible says that they saw it, they took it, and they ate it. What did they eat? Most people say they ate what kind of fruit? Apple. Apple. Apple's not mentioned in the Bible. See, there's a lot of misconceptions. And again, <clears throat> I don't know what people's intentions are, but even when it comes to the Christmas season, there's things that people oftentimes will say or celebrate or even preachers will preach that are not in the Bible. You know, it happens sometimes. And there are a lot of misconceptions surrounding the true meaning of the season. To, to many people, Christmas is about money. Christmas is about materialism, commercialism. It's about greed. Uh, Christmas is, for others, maybe a time of parties and meals, get-togethers. And again, there's, as long as it's done in, in, in a right spirit, a Christian spirit, I think there's nothing wrong with some of that. A lot of children don't even really know uh, what Christmas really is. They think it's a time for Santa, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you know, the uh, other maybe foolish fairy tales that, that come along with it. And as a result, I think some children have no idea what the true meaning of Christmas is really all about. That was one of the things that, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know if it was my wife and the Lord or the Lord or maybe the Lord with my wife, trying to help me to understand early on in our marriage as a young Christian that I needed to teach my children what Christmas was all about. And I, I was reading about this little boy. He came home from Sunday school. He was so excited about learning about the wise men who brought gifts to the baby Jesus. He was so excited that he had to tell his mother, and he said, I learned today in Sunday school all about the first Christmas. He said, there wasn't a Santa Claus back then, so these three fellows on camels had to deliver all the toys. And Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, with his nose so bright, wasn't there, so they had to have this big spotlight in the sky to find their way around. You know, it's like they just, they, kids come up. You know, all I can say is when it comes to all the misconceptions, thank God for the Bible. You know, thank God for His Word. You know, to me, it's, as I explained to somebody this past week, 
God's word is true, and God's word is what anchors us, even during a time like this, Christmas, is to make sure that we understand the true meaning of what Christmas is all about. I love the word of God, how God sets the record straight about Christmas in his word. God's word is holy, it's inspired, it's infallible, and God gives us some reasons for the season. And uh, we're going to look at some of those today, maybe a couple more next Sunday in the Sunday school hour. But I want you to notice the first reason that we see for Christmas is that Christmas is a time of good tidings. It's a time of good tidings. How many of you are tired of bad news? You know, how many of you are tired of fake news? You know, um, you know, this past week, uh, we, we were at home and we were, we were just trying to relax from the day and we turned the news on. And many of you probably saw the, the whole UPS truck incident that happened. And, uh, you know, my wife says, try another channel. And we tried another channel and every major news channel had that, that going on. It reminded me of the O.J. Simpson thing, you know, him running through the streets of, of L.A. with a white Bronco, you know, and, and we, we were kind of sitting there and, and just, you know, probably making comments about what was going on, like probably maybe many of you did. And, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, it, it, the, the truck came to a stop and the, all the, the gunfire. And I don't think that the news media meant to show it. It just happened so fast. And, 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 you know, as bad as the incident was, and I feel bad for <clears throat> the two innocent people, that driver and the, the man that was 72 years old that was, that was killed uh, in his vehicle. Uh, as bad as it was, it was all the things that came with it after that. You know, the investigation and how it was handled and could it have been done this way. And, you know, everybody wants to be a, an armchair quarterback. Everybody wants to put in their two cents. But, you know, when I think of Christmas, Christmas should be a time where there's nothing bad to think about. It's a time of good tidings. It's a time of good news. Uh, oftentimes we talk about the gospel. Uh, you think about good tidings, that's what it is. Look, look back in your Bible there in verse number 10. Look what it says. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you fake news. I bring you bad news. No, it says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to how many people? All people. I mean, that's, that's how good our God is. God says, look, I'm, I'm going to give you uh, some good news, some good tidings uh, of great joy, which shall be to everyone. It's not for a select group of people. You know, there's a lot of people today, even some preachers and some religions that teach that, again, it's a misconception. It's not, the Bible doesn't say it this way. They, they believe that there's only a certain select group of people that Jesus came for. How sad. The Bible doesn't teach that. He came to save sinners. Who's a sinner? All have sinned. Jesus came for all of us. And, and when I look at this Christmas time being a time of good tidings, the, the words 
that we see in our English Bible, good tidings. When you look at that word, it's actually the word euangelion, which is where we get our word evangelize. It's kind of interesting when you, when you see it. In other words, the message of the angels was a message of salvation. Jesus came, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall do what? Save his people from what? From their sins. See, this message that the angels brought, it was a message of salvation. Jesus came to proclaim the truth. Look, that angel that day, he, he told him, he says, fear not. He says, I bring you glorious news that a Savior had been born in Bethlehem. It was a message of hope. This world needs some hope. You know, it, it, this world is, it, it, you, you could get depressed quickly in this world. And we need some hope. Jesus came to provide that. The shepherds uh, that were in this, this passage that, that the, the message came to, the news came to, the message of hope came to, shepherds by profession were social outcasts. You know, oftentimes they were, because of their profession, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll go outside and I'll work in the yard. My wife, she loves when I do the yard. She loves the yard to be manicured. And I like the yard to look nice too. And, uh, and, and so I'll go out there and I'll, I'll mow and I'll weed eat and I'll get all the clippings and I'll trim some of the trees and pick up palm branches and all that type of stuff. And I'll do all that, and I mean, I'm, I, I'm out there, and I'm sweating, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing things, and I enjoy doing that. And I'll come inside, and as much as she loves me, she'll say, um, you need to go take a shower. I said, what are you talking about? I just made your yard look beautiful. And she says, you smell like outside. Now, how does she know that's just not my new cologne that I just bought? And you know how you can know a shepherd? They smell like sheep. I wouldn't give you a dime for a pastor that doesn't spend time with a sheep. By the way, I consider that a compliment to smell. You know, I, I, a lot of Sundays, matter of fact, right before I came in here today, I went to put on my jacket, and before I did, I had to get some makeup and stuff off of it. Doesn't bother me a bit. When I was a kid, uh, when I was younger and my, my children were little, I used to hold my children, and you know, children are infamous for slobbering and smearing stuff all over your clothes. Be honest with you, I miss those days. And I think of these shepherds, they were just... They, Literally, they were social outcasts. Nobody wanted to be around shepherds. You know, if I think back to the story of David, when David was called, remember when Samuel went and they were going to anoint the king and they had gone through the seven sons? I, remember what David's profession was? He was a shepherd. And I think part of that played into the mentality even by his own father. Oh, he's out in the field. He's, he's just a shepherd. 
And I think about that during the Christmas time. You know, here's these people that maybe are a little dirty, maybe not David, but maybe some of them were uncouth, maybe even vulgar. The life that they were living, that no one wanted to be around them. Oftentimes they were the people that were forgotten by society. Nobody really knew them. Why? Because they were out there with sheep. They weren't around other people. And, and I think about how oftentimes they, they may have been forgotten by society, but they certainly weren't forgotten by God. God knows every one of us. The Lord comes to every one of us where we are. Aren't you glad for that? God found you where you were. I'm glad the Lord found me. And I think it's a wonderful thing that these shepherds, maybe some sinful men, you know what they, they did? Now, again, I just, my mind, I like to think through, but you remember in the, in the Old Testament that every year they had to come to Jerusalem and they had to bring something with them. Does anybody remember what they had to bring with them as a family? They had to bring a sacrifice. And many times what they brought was a lamb. Where'd they get those lambs from? From these shepherds. Many of these shepherds actually raised, guarded, watched over these animals that became the sacrificial animals. Isn't that interesting how they can raise and guard and keep these animals, and yet they themselves were not allowed to come, but the animals that they kept were. They were brought as the sacrifice. And when I look at this whole situation, how Christmas is a time of good tidings, to, to me, when I think of Christmas, the message hasn't changed. Now, for me, it's been 35 years, but Jesus came over 2,000 years ago. And the message of hope is still the same, that this is a time of good tidings, of great joy, which is for all people. Aren't you glad for Christmas time when you think of it? Amen. See, Christmas is a time. It's a time of good tidings. But look at this. It's also a time for giving. <clears throat> Go back to verse number 11 in, in Luke chapter 2. Look at this verse. The Bible says, For unto you, the angel said to them, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And when I think about giving, and of course, a lot of times we, even in maybe the next couple of weeks, we'll give something to someone. But that's not really what Christmas is. Notice, first of all, Christmas is the fact that it was God that gave his son to mankind. For God so loved the world. <coughs> when Jesus was born and he came into this world, we all know this is true. He was God in the flesh. And as we think about this, John 1, 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. As Jesus lived on this earth and he grew as a child and he became a young man, he eventually began his earthly ministry spending really just about 33, 33 and a half years 
on this earth, time and time again, Jesus proved that there was something distinctly different about himself because he was God. I just thought of a few things, how Jesus, the Bible mentions that he never spake a man like Jesus. You had to know there were some, some good orators, some people that could teach well. But the Bible says no one ever spake like Jesus. The Bible talks about the authority that he had. He performed miracles, did things that nobody else could do. No one could duplicate them. He healed people. While he was here, he preached the truth. He loved people that no one else would love. A couple weeks or so ago, we had the, the passage about the ten lepers. And listen, no one spent time with lepers. Jesus loved everyone. Time and time again, he validated who he was. He reached out to those that had needs in their life. His life was one miraculous event after another. It was just one continuing. I love to study, and I hope you have in your life. I just love to study what, what oftentimes I call the life of Christ. You know, in our Bible, the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they, if you put them all together, you have a, a great snap, a snapshot or a, 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 a synopsis of the, the very life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's wonderful to study his life, how miraculous it was. But can I tell you that if Jesus would have came to this earth, and that's all that he did, it wouldn't have been enough. Jesus came to give his life. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, Jesus had to, as those sacrificial animals, Jesus as the Lamb of God had to be given up. He had to give his life. Look, you, Christmas time in in. You know, I, I say this a lot of times when, when I tell people when they have children, enjoy your children while they're young. Amen. They grow up quickly. You know, I don't push children to become adults. Let them be children. Now, you need to teach them things and try to help them along life's way. I was, Brother Tim, I was thinking of your son Tyler the other day. I wasn't here when Tyler was young, I heard a few stories. But I, I was sitting there thinking about how wonderful you guys have done with that boy. A lot of parents would have gave up on a child like that. And I think about how we have an opportunity at Christmas time, yes, to focus, and, and we weren't there to look into that manger scene. To see the baby, the Christ child, the one that was born the king of the Jews. But really at Christmas time for the Christian, you can't stop at the manger because you have to look beyond the manger to the cross. See, Jesus was born to die. That's what Christmas is really all about. 
Now look, I'm, I'm going to enjoy the birth of Christ. But Jesus came to give his life. God so loved the world that he gave. And so to me, that's what Christmas is. It's God giving the greatest gift of all. But watch this. Look at the second part is that Christmas in this matter of giving is for men to give their hearts to God. See, God gave his greatest. And what we need to be willing to do is to give our hearts to the Lord. You say, well, pastor, I'm here, Sunday school. I'm part of this church. I'm saved. That's great. But even the greatest of Christians from time to time become lethargic, apathetic in their Christian life. We need to make sure that our hearts still beat for God the way they should. When I think of Christmas, look, you know, if, if there was something that you could give to God, what would it be? I mean, in the, the, the Christmas story, there were really two groups of people connected with the birth of the Lord who gave themselves. They gave themselves to the Lord, and that was the shepherds and the wise men. And I, I think all of us, when, when it comes time for Christmas, it's kind of always kind of interesting, but Sometimes we have people that we think about, maybe people that we make a list of, and some of those people, when you look at their name, you're like, well, he has everything. What am I going to get? What do you get somebody that has everything? A pen. They probably have a pen. <laughs> I mean, some people are hard to buy for, you know? My kids always act like, Dad, you're hard to buy for. Listen, you... A, a real easy thing to do is dad, he just, he loves Home Depot and Lowe's, you know, any, any uh, grown man's toy store, you know, and uh, just give me a gift card or something. But some people are hard to buy for. And, and you know, think about this, what can you and I give to God? Does God have everything? Sure he does. So what can we give to God? I mean, God doesn't need your money. I, I think it's funny sometimes in church, not necessarily ours, but I see people, boy, I'm telling you, they, they reposition so they're sitting on their wallet. You know, they, they make sure that they shove their purse underneath of the seat when the offering plate comes by. Well, oh, I forgot my checkbook. They miss it because the truth is, God doesn't need your money. You know, God doesn't need a fruit basket. God doesn't need a new tie. God doesn't need socks. There's only one true possession that we all have that we can give to God. That's our heart. Look what it says, great verse in the Bible, Proverbs 23, 26. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. God's probably just asking all of us today, I've given you the greatest gift. Do I have your heart? I think sometimes God doesn't have our hearts. I mean, have you given your heart to the Lord? I mean, I hope this morning and I, I look around, uh, my prayer is, and I know it's the heart of God is, that everybody here knows Christ as their Savior. That you've given your heart to the Lord. You've had a time 
that you can look back on that you say, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not trusting in what I can do. I'm trusting in what Jesus did. Think about this verse, and I love 2 Corinthians 6 too. He saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted in the day of salvation. Have I secured thee? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord is your Savior, Christmas is not Christmas until you have Jesus in your heart. And for the Christian, God gave to us. And what we need to do is realize there's nothing we can give to God other than our hearts. Make sure that God has your heart, all your heart. And so Christmas is a time of good tidings. It's a time of giving. And then thirdly, look at this one. Just a thought I had. Christmas is a time for going home. It's a time for going home. Look at, look at Luke 2 and verse number 4. Jo- Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So on that first Christmas, when we look at this passage, Joseph actually returned to the, uh, to the ancient home of his forefathers. And for Mary and Joseph, it was, Christmas was a time for them to go home. He had to do it for the census, for the taxing that was taking place at that time. And you know, Christmas time for many of us, it'll be a time maybe where uh, you'll, you'll go home, maybe go spend some time with your parents if they're still on this earth. And during the holidays, sometimes I have people like my daughter and son-in-law, they just traveled, drove all the way down from Ohio. You know, they were so glad to get home after 20-some hours in a van with four children from the age of four and under. But, but sometimes, and over the years, we've done the same thing. We've traveled great distances to be with our family, to be home for the holidays. And for some, this is what makes Christmas special is, is that it's a time where we get to go home. But when I think beyond just the physical aspect of it, maybe there are some here today that need to go home this Christmas. And what I mean by that is this. We know the story in the Bible of the prodigal son, right? You know the story? He left his home. He didn't leave the right way. He made a lot of demands, decided to take his life in his own hands and do what he wanted, and he he took what his father graciously gave to him, and he went and he wasted it. And the Bible says that when it was all gone and he was eating with the pigs... That's where people find themselves when they get away from God, when they leave home. The Bible says he came to himself. And he realized, boy, I had it pretty good at home. Some of you like us that have grown children, a lot of times kids won't say this while they're still at home. But after they're gone and mom and dad aren't paying for all the food, mom and dad aren't paying their insurance, mom and dad aren't paying for this, mom and dad aren't paying for that, and they have to start paying for things, all of a sudden they, they'll call you and tell you how much they love you. <laughs> it's so funny when that happens. You know, when they realize 
they're doing something called life. They have to pay their own bills. And this, this son realized, you know, it really wasn't that bad at home. My father's a good guy. He provides for me. He takes care of me. He met my needs while I was there. I was stupid to leave. And the Bible says that he got his story down. I mean, he had it all down. He had it rehearsed it all. And he's making his way back, and we know what happened, right? He never got a chance to tell his story, did he? Because when his father saw him, he ran to him, threw his arms around him. You know what that means? It breaks God's heart when we leave home. But he never stops looking for us to come back. And there may be somebody here today, you say, Pastor, I'm here in church, I'm in Sunday school. But you know, in your heart, you could be far away from God. You're not where you should be. I, I have nobody on my mind. I just This is just some thoughts that I had when it came to this Christmas story and how oftentimes there are people that have wandered away as that sun did into a far country. Maybe it's time for someone here today to come home, to come back to God. And I'll tell you, when you come back, just like that prodigal, you know what you'll find? You'll find forgiveness. You'll find blessings in the Father's house. It's a wonderful thing to Know that God, look at it, it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. Look at it, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all what? Unrighteous. There's no, there's no bar of soap for that. There's no soap on a rope for that. Only God can clean us. And when God cleanses your life, he does it from the inside out. And when I think of Christmas, for me, it's, it's a time of coming home. You know, I, 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 I just these are just some thoughts, some reasons that we find in the Word of God. Maybe there's others, I'm sure there are. But I think these remind us of one thing, and that is this that Christmas should remind us about our personal relationship with the Lord. How's your personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it there? Is it what it should be? Is Christmas a time of good tidings for you? Is Christmas a time of giving your heart to God who gave his best for us? Is Christmas a time of getting closer to God? It should be. You see, whatever Christmas is to you, I just know this, Christmas is a time. I like Christmas. A lot of thoughts about Christmas. Anybody have a thought this morning about Christmas? Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Oh, 
Always good to do that. Don't wait for Christmas. <laughs> so we're going to be with our uh, grandchildren for the first time on Christmas and they, I mean, they really under, can understand what's going to happen. And so we always read the Christmas story out of Luke and it's too much for them. So I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. So I bought a two-year-old book about Christmas, you know, about the birth. And then I bought a four-year-old book about the birth. And so I'm going to have them on the table with the birthday cake because we always do birthday cake and sing happy birthday to Jesus and that kind of eat it for breakfast. But anyway, <laughs> but so instead of reading out of God's Word, the Bible, we're going to read the story to them. Neat. So then they will understand what the story is. That's awesome. I think we used to have, years ago, we had the, the children's Bibles that had pictures and right. yeah, same kind of same kind of thing. That's neat. Anybody else? Christmas. Brother Roman? One of the best things that I that my job gives me is uh, I get to influence the life. And uh, but I do it on Christmas. I, I started some days this year, but I, I said this is me and I said loud. And not too loud, but louder than anybody that goes by and just mocks me for being <laughs> They need some good tidings. Some great joy. All right. Yes, sir. If you're having a meal with people who aren't necessarily believers or Christians, use grace. When you say grace, to remind them that they're sinners. Amen. Yep, absolutely. We can, we can even in our prayers and recognizing the food and the blessings of God. Yep. Buddy else before we're dismissed. All right. Some of you just need to enjoy the Christmas season. Brother Flynn? I was actually reading, you know, when we scheduled that for Cracker Barrel, I forgot what town it was in Tennessee, but there was a group of church, I didn't read the whole article, but it was a church group, may have been men, may have been just, you know, anyone, but they actually were, were banned as a church group from going, from having a, a gathering at a Cracker Barrel. And I forgot the town in Tennessee, and I thought, I hope that doesn't happen to us. But I think the longer we live, we're going to start seeing that more and more. Yeah. Well, enjoy Christmas and uh, spread, spread the cheer and the good tidings with everyone you come into contact with. Lord bless you. We'll, we'll get started here about 15.